0: talking about focus and the kingdom focus and what it means to really focus in the kingdom and uh we're, we're focused on so much stuff in today's society uh but we need to focus on that jesus gave us authority we, we we looked at the focus of revival and what it mean, means to focus on revival and what revival will do for a church we looked at the focus of remembering that we are the habitation of God, not just looking for a visitation from God. Last week, we got a little weird with you, uh, started talking about the focus of the, on the prophetic and how uh, the prophetic is direly needed in the church today. It, it's it's just the biggest evangelism tool we have to open people's eyes. Now I know we have the word of God, but when you're prophetically speaking to someone, you're releasing a word of God to them. How many of you know they need a word from God? And so we've been looking at that and and I want to today, and I'm glad I was able to at least get through the music this week. Last week I couldn't even get get through it. I was was a complete, utter mess. Um, That's all right. I'll drink from that bottle every day. Uh, But today I want to focus on something that And if we we focus on revival, we focus on being the habitation of God, we focus on the prophetic, but unless we understand what we're going to talk about today and get this focus, none of it really matters. Because if you don't believe you know we sang a song last week uh, by uh, Godfrey that says, do you believe what I believe about you? And so today, what we're going to focus on is the focus of us. It's God's focus on you. As much as we focus on God, do you know that God is focused on you? Go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Matthew 16, starting in verse 17. I'm reading from the message. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 17. And Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. In other words, God spoke to him a word. He said, you didn't get that answer from books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. See, Peter didn't know who he was. He was all focused on God, but sometimes we can lose sight of how God focuses on us. And he tells Peter here, he said, you know who I am, but I need to tell you who you are. And he begins to tell him, he said, you are Peter or Petra. It's a rock. And on this, and this rock, and this is the rock, On which I will put together my church a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out now remember Peter didn't understand church as a steeple and walls and a gathering what he understood was the word ecclesia which is a calling or a summoning of people into a place to uh, uh, um, to govern it's Peter understood when he said hey you are the ecclesia he, he not he understood that was a political term that was a governmental term that wasn't a churchy religious term We've turned church into churchy religious when the word church and actually should have been us taking our rightful place and our authority in the kingdom of heaven and bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth and ruling the earth from this position of the kingdom now. And people say, well, you're one of those kingdom now preachers. Absolutely. So was Jesus. I don't know why that became a bad word or why that became some weird thing. But he said, you are the church, you are the ecclesia, you are the, one, the ones who are, cover- it's a legislative assembly, it's a political term, it's a governmental term. And, and, and we have to remember that we are a governing body. God has given us Cambridge. Now I know we have tentacles into Caldwell and, 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 and some of these other, other places. But from this place right here, God has put inside of you and I the authority to govern from the position of heaven. And unless we, yeah, and unless we govern from the position of heaven, we're always going to just act like mere men. (laughs) You know, God doesn't want you to act like mere men. Well, I'm human. No, you, you, you possess a human form. But you this form is simply to house the presence of God. OK? I see I started to get into my message earlier, but look at verse 19, "And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. You will have complete and free access. when now. It's now you have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Look what he says keys to open any and every door Glory, folks! do you realize that nothing? Is withheld from you the word says that God will withhold no good thing from his children Well if the doors locked guess what he's given us the keys to open any and every door there's, There's a young man in the Cleveland Akron area somewhere up that way. And I met him a few months ago or maybe close to a year now. And uh, the Lord had a word for him. And and, and when it was I, it was I saw him walking down a long corridor with doors on each side. And, and and the Lord began to just reveal some things, but in that he held a big key ring. And off of that key ring, he could just go and just open any door he wanted. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is not shut up to you. The kingdom of heaven has not become shut down to you. He has given us the key and you have now have free access to any and every door. Folks, when are we going to realize who we really are? What we've really accomplished? There's, I love this how the message put this no more barriers between heaven and earth or earth and heaven if there's no barriers then that means we're all in the same place come on so where's the kingdom at then Hes right here and who are the ones that's set to rule and reign in the kingdom it is you he said a, 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 a yes on earth from you is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. King James version says it this way: "So whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven; whatever you bind, bind on earth shall be bound in heaven." I know those are flipped, but but see, we've got to understand that the ability to operate within the kingdom lies solely in you. We're begging for God to come down and do something and God has already released to you everything needed to operate in this life. And and I don't know how many times I've heard people say these kind of statements. I feel like I've lost sight of myself. I don't know who I am. I I I just don't know who I am. I need to find myself again. (laughs) I don't even recognize myself anymore. I've looked in the mirror and thought that a time or two. (laughs) You know what those words are? Those are words from a person who who has forgotten who they really are in Christ and who God really has seized them to be and how God really wants them to operate. In this earth and so they operate from a position of I'll just take whatever's dealt to me I'll just take whatever hand is dealt to me you just deal it out life I'll take it suck it up I'll go on you know When God says I've given you the keys of the kingdom to open any and every door matter of fact There is no more now any distance between heaven and earth. It is a Absolutely cross in and out Place, but what happens to people when we forget this? Well, what they do is there's a word for it. that's called an inferiority complex Okay and, and, and a complex is just something that you believe about yourself, but God has an answer to your complex okay inferiority means this inferiority is a lower state of dignity age value or quality so if we have an inferiority complex then that means we believe about ourselves. it's not doesn't matter what you believe about God at this point come on somebody come with me doesn't matter what you even believe about God at this point. If you have an inferiority complex, not you believe about God, you will never operate in the things you even believe about God because you don't feel that you are valuable or that you are high enough quality to operate in those things. And so we develop an inferiority complex where we wonder, am I really who God says I am? Can I be what God says I can be? Can I do what God says I can do? I just don't think so because I see my faults I see my failures I see my addictions I see my mm. and so we begin to have this opinion of ourselves but God's answer and that's what we're going to look at today is God's focus on us and I, this is the focus that we want to look at what do you mean by God's focus on us well I'm glad you ask. go to 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 3 sorry Second Corinthians chapter three, and I'm gonna read this out of the mirror Bible. Now, if you've never heard of the mirror, Francois Trois wrote a, it's a paraphrase, but it is filled with all your great words of how he came to, to, to write it the way he did. And it's not full, you only pick certain books that he wrote out of, okay? But I wanna read you what, the way he brings out second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18 he said and we all with new understanding see ourselves in him as in a mirror see that's what the whole word of God is supposed to be that's what God says is when you're looking at God it is actually a reflection of who you really are looking at God and looking into the face of God and looking into the glory of God is a re- like I'm looking into a mirror it's a reflection of how God sees you we're, oh God, I just want you to be pleased with me. He is going on. The days of window shopping are over. In Him, every face is unveiled. In gazing with wonder at the blueprint of God displayed in human form. You are the blueprint of God displayed in human form. We set. We are no longer looking that we are we suddenly realize that we are looking into a mirror where every feature of his image articulated in Christ is reflected within us every feature that is articulated in Christ is now reflected in you folks do you realize how God really sees you he sees you as as much a son Or daughter of God as Jesus is considered a son of God it's articulate you are the reflection back of God when God looks at you it's like he looks inside of a mirror so what does God look like looks like you when you look in a mirror you're seeing that reflection of the divine but wait is God male or female yes He created man in His own image, and then He created a woman. Do you know that there is even references about the Holy Spirit that are actually on a maternal side? So much so that some early folks would actually refer to Holy Spirit as female. Now we know that God's neither male or female; it's it's bigger than that. <laughs> now let's keep going. The Spirit of the Lord engineers this radical transformation. We are led from an inferior mindset to the revealed endorsement of our authentic identity. Being led from glory to glory. I think it's the way King James says it. This is how God does, when we look into the mirror and we look at him and we begin to see that it is actually a reflection of who we really are, who he really is, that we are, every feature that was articulated in Jesus, he now articulates in and through you because of the presence of God in your life. And now that you see, when you look in a mirror, you should no longer see just Cassie. You should no longer see just Renee. When you look in, understand that you are actually looking back at the reflection of God. That he is in you and everything that has been articulated in Christ is now articulated in you. And when God sees you, the focus of you looks like him. That's who he made you to be. That's who he wants you to be. As as many of you know, I had an aunt to pass away yesterday. Who was more like a grandmother to a lot of us, and I, I think one of the biggest things that I ever learned from her is to see God in everyone, and that's what she, that, that was her whole goal. Is uh, and it doesn't matter how bad they acted. Oh, it's okay. She, she sounded so much like Jesus at times, like they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> if I have probably took anything big away from her it would be that why? because we got to understand see we'll treat people differently if we focus on people the way God focuses on us And Unless you understand that God, uh, we have to come out from under our inferiority complex where we think we're not good enough, we think we're of a lower value than someone else, we think we're not as good as so-and-so, and unless we come to the fact that when we look in the mirror, every feature that has been articulated in Christ is reflected back at us, and we are viewing the visible image of God. Only then will you really begin to walk in this type of authority, because you know that type of authority belongs to you. I want to look at that last part again. It's the Holy Spirit that engineers this radical transformation. We are led from an inferior mindset to a revealed endorsement of our authentic deliveries. anybody ever heard of Jake Hamilton? Praise the worship leader. You should. Ah, oh, good. Adra and D there's a line in one of his songs that says I become what I focus on so my focus is you God (sighs) I become what I focus on and so my focus is you God at the end of this message we're going to take about five minutes and worship to a song and, and and I want you to really prepare your heart right now for what God's going to do with you, because I believe that we are headed into a time where God is going to begin to reveal to you who you really are, and you are going to begin to start taking authority over some things in your life that feel like they've been completely out of control. And the only reason they've been out of control is because you don't think you have the ability to change those things. Romans chapter eight it's still okay if i continue teaching right i've taught more in the last four weeks than i've done almost four years here romans chapter 8 verse 15 from the passion translation he says this he says and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty i love how that's translated there you did not receive your reading king james the spirit of bondage He says you do not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough. See that's what Romans 8 was all about, finding who you are in Christ. That's why he says at the end of it, what shall separate us from the love of God? Well nothing can separate us from the love of God because God is laser focused on you. He said so you have not received the spirit Uh, 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 of religious duty that's what religious duty does it leads you back into fear of never being good enough but you have received the spirit of full acceptance king james says the spirit of adoption carrie and i was talking about that this morning about adoption being fully accepted we see when someone is adopted especially in in the jewish culture it is fully they can't you really can't be unadopted you're always going to be a part whether you like it or not and i love how the passion translation does that there we have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of god you will never feel orphaned or as he rises up for as he rises up within us our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection King James says, Abba, Father. Beloved Father. It's the same as saying Daddy, Papa. It's a term of affection. Verse 16. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our inter, inter, our innermost being, you are. God's beloved child You're not trying to become God's beloved child I'm telling you right now if if John was to baptize you there would be a dove fly straight out of heaven Light on your shoulder and you would hear the voice of God speak over you. This is my beloved in whom I am well-pleased Why? Because the features that were articulated in Christ are now articulated in you and looking at him is like looking in the reflection of who we really are. He told Peter, you know who I am now, let me tell you who you really are. And since, verse 17, and since we are his true children, we qualify to share in his treasures. You know, how many of you know God has treasures? And you are qualified to share them. All of heaven, all of God's treasures, you are qualified. You don't have to work up some big thing. You don't have to crank it up. You don't have to go in. You don't even have to feel it. <laughs> Come on. But our problem is we don't know it. And we're waiting to fill it. God's not worried about you feeling it; He wants you to know it. Church has got this thing completely wrong, Kevin. We try to be- make everything emotional. I'm, I'm not real emotional about being my dad's son. I love my father; I got an awesome father. But I don't. I don't sit around and ooh, I get a goosebump. That means dad must love me. Oh, I just want to lay down here. It must mean dad less love me. No, I know my dad loves me and I know who my dad is. Whether I am in his presence or not. Now you got to understand that you got to know your father loves you that much and you're always in his presence. He says there, he says, you are true children of God and you are qualified to share in all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, this is your real identity. You are joined to Christ. King James says, we are heirs and joint heirs. You have been joined to Christ. That word actually is like uh, uh, taking two compounds. Yeah, not comics. Two compounds and bringing them together to make one new compound that can't be separated. So when you decided this reality, you're going to wake up to the reality that has always been you. You understand now that you have been joined to God so much and joined to Christ so much that there can be no more separation. Hmm. So why do people live opposite? Because we forget who we really are. You do realize your, your journey started in heaven. What did he tell Jeremiah? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. You were known in heaven before you ever came to this earth. Come on. You're still known and everyone else is still known whether they want to know it or not so what's the job of us as believers to wake them up to who they really are i spent some time on the phone this week with a gentleman who eventually i want to work him in our rotation schedule to have him come and preach uh, some of you may know him, some of you may not. Um, but he, he was uh, taught, telling a testimony of a girl who came to his service as a witch. And she came there to try to curse as many people she could curse, and then she was going to kill herself. And he began to tell her, see, you might identify As a witch but there is another identity that is in you that you have just need to wake up to And how God is wanting to wake this identity up in you because it's already there And you know long story short he's given a testimony so you know how it turns out But we've got to come to the point where we just need to wake the identity up in people But you can never do that as long as you, if you don't ever know your real identity. Your real identity is you are joined to Christ. You can't get away from him. You are an heir and a joint heir to Christ. Now let's continue, are y'all okay? All right. We also inherit all that he is and all that he has. You inherit all that Christ is and we inherit it all that he has. He we will experience being co-glorified With him provided we accept his sufferings as our own now. Let me tell you the western church has got this completely sideways We think oh, I'm just suffering for you ever heard that one. I'm just suffering for the Lord He don't need your suffering What he needs you to do is to accept his sufferings that he has already suffered as your own suffering Because if we are joined to him what he went through we went through Paul goes on in other scriptures talk about We have been co-crucified in King James Version It says we were crucified with Christ. It says we were buried with Christ. It says we were resurrected with Christ. That means he doesn't need extra suffering on my part. What I need to do is accept his suffering was my suffering. And the only thing left to do is to inherit all that he is and all that he has. And understand when God looks at me, he sees a reflection of himself. Folks, let me, just a few things. Christ's suffering was not sickness. Now, from where, on this end of the country, you may not have ever heard that. Sorry. On this end of the country, you may not have ever heard, oh, are you sick? Oh, yeah, I'm just suffering for the Lord. He don't need your suffering. And besides that would never be one of his sufferings because you can't find the scripture where he was sick He wasn't broke Contrary to popular belief Jesus was not broke He had a treasurer had so much meaning in treasure. His treasurer stole from him It's time to start quit teaching this stuff you take a few scriptures out of context Matter of fact if you look he wasn't homeless either. Well, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Read that in its fullness. He wasn't homeless. Mark chapter uh, 2 talks about he was in his house. You know, you know when the men lowered the, the man through the roof? You know whose roof that was? That was Jesus' roof. It says, and in, in Mark chapter two, verse one, it says that Jesus, when they heard that Jesus was in the house, the original writing of that meant, said was in his house. Verse 15, when he's getting ready and he goes out and talks to Matthew, it says that Jesus was at his house and he decided to go out and take a walk along the lake and, and he went out and took a walk along the lake. He ran into Levi and he said, come back with me. And the next thing says and when he was in his house, He looked at Levi and said, follow me. He said, what? He said, okay. And so, well, let's follow him. Where did he go? He says he went back to his house. (laughs) So us being homeless does not glorify Jesus. Being sick doesn't glorify Jesus. Being broke doesn't glorify. All these things are a result of us forgetting who we really are in Christ. What he has put us. And when we accept his sufferings and the things that he went through. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Can I say here just a little bit more? Good. The J.B. Phillips translation says this way. The whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own. All creation grown up for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know what they're waiting on they're waiting on you on us to realize who we really are creation is waiting for man to realize who he really is the whole creation is on tiptoe to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own the world of creation cannot yet uh, uh, cannot as yet see reality because it chooses not to, because it chooses to be blind. <sighs> Creation doesn't see this because we choose to be blind. Come on. <laughs> but because God's purpose has been, so, it, because in God's purpose it has been so limited, yet it has Been given hope, and the hope is that in the end, the whole of created life will be resurrected from the tyranny of change and decay and have its share in that magnificent liberty which can only belong to the children of God. All of creation is going to have that magnificent liberty that belongs to us. Verse 22. It is plain to anyone with eyes to see that at this at the present time all created life groans in sort in a sort of universal travail. It is plain too that we have a foretaste of the Spirit and are in a state of painful tension while we wait for that redemption of our bodies. Even this thing we live in, that eventually dies, gets overhauled. Which will mean that at last we have realized we realized our full sonship. God's focus on you is that you're his. And you have been called into this place, into the... I started out with the scripture today. This is just the stuff that's been going through my mind. Ruth, not Ruth. Maybe, I don't remember. I remember my brain. Esther. She. Why am I here? Why, what's going on here? And what was the word that came from God? You were put into the kingdom for such a time as this, you know, why you're here today, you're here to hear this, and you're, you're alive in this state of age, in this present state of age, because you have put here with a purpose, you were put here with a destiny, you were put here with a design that says, God sees you, He knows you, He knows who you are, and what you're capable of. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter one, verse 13 through 14. And again, I'm reading from the message on this one too. God rescued us from dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the son he loves so much. He has brought us and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The object of his love, you are now placed in that kingdom. You're not trying to get to that kingdom, you're in there now. You have been rescued from dark end alleys and dungeons. From dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of his son, whom he loves so much, the son who got us out of the pit. You're not in the pit. The son got us out of the pit. The son who got us out of the pit. We were in. Got rid of our. Got rid of the sins that we were doomed to keep repeating. He brought you out of all that. Well, then why do I keep finding myself falling into the same trap and the same thing over and over and over again? Because you don't realize you have no. You've been. You've already mastered it. Now here's where people get shaky. What did Paul say? that sin no longer holds dominion over you which means you don't have to sin that's where people start struggling you mean I can live a life without sin you can live a life without sin he has given you dominion over sin he's brought you out of that sin that you were doomed to keep repeating but why do I keep falling in I don't know you tell me Maybe it's something you don't believe about yourself. Maybe there's something that's in there that you don't feel that you're worthy enough. Now dealing with addiction people, addicted people, addiction people, sure. Dealing with addicted people for as many years as I did, you know one thing I learned? You know why a lot of times people just keep using? Because they don't wanna feel the shame of using. Anybody here struggled with addiction? Am I lying? Oh, there's shame. Well, I know how to forget shame. I know how to not feel this. Whatever. We do the same thing. We don't understand who God has made us to be. We don't, we haven't come to the awakening of this reality of who we are in Christ. And so we try to find things to hide the, but isn't that what Adam did? Here, eat the fruit. Ooh. So let me, see it wasn't enough. See, we think he just hid. He tried to hide his own sin first. He went and sewed fig leaves together. Fig leaf is one of the most naturally itchy coverings because every attempt we do to try to hide ourselves and hide who we really are and hide our mistakes only brings more pain. And God comes down and then he goes and hides. See, he's always tried. So this is, it's, 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 the same, it's the same cycle. So he brought us out of that. He has set us into the kingdom of his dear son. You are set in the kingdom now. Now, I'm going to keep going here because we're almost done. I just got to lay some scripture on you today, folks, because until, fo- until we get the God's focus of us, the rest of us never really going to matter because we're never going to really do it. Because we'll think we're, it's unattainable to get. First John chapter three, you're still with me for a little while longer. Y'all are quiet today. Uncomfortable quiet, I mean good thing I'm never uncomfortable (laughs) John 1st John chapter 3 verse 1 and what a marvelous love this is the message what marvelous love the father has extended to us just look at it we're called the children of God that's who we really are But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to But friends that's exactly who we are children of God and that's only the beginning Who knows what how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed We will see him and in seeing him become like him Why? Because then our eyes will be opened. And when our eyes are opened and we look in the mirror, we can really see who we really are. And we will finally realize it's been this way all along. Do you realize the word tells us why people aren't following God? I can tell you right now why people are not following God. The word says, Ted, you might have to help me with the reference because it just went through me and I can't remember. The word says it is that the enemy in this world has blinded their minds to this glorious hope. It's not that they aren't already, it's that the enemy has blinded their minds, blinded the mind's eye to who they really are. And by operating inside of that blind sight, they're now operating outside of who they really are. They're trying to operate in an identity that is not really theirs. Mm. Romans chapter five, verse 17. Death once held us in its grip. Death doesn't even hold you now. You just talked about having an aunt that died. We, Dee and I were talking about it yesterday. She, she said she was here cleaning the house and, or cleaning the church yesterday and thought, well, it's a happy death day. And I thought, no, that's absolutely just a, it's really a birthday. It's a transition. It's a transition from this dimension reality into that dimension reality. And there's really no separation between the two. <laughs> death once held us in its grip and by the blunder of one man death reigned as king over humanity but now how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life that's where he wants us held reigning as kings in life enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness In the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. Everything that was articulated in him is now reflected in you. And by so, we should be reigning in life. Why aren't we? Because we don't have God's focus on ourselves. And when we don't focus on ourselves the way God focuses on ourselves, we will never focus on somebody else the way that God focuses on them. He's never gonna ask you to do something that he has not already provided for you to do. Scripture tells us that Jesus has become our holiness. Now I want you to hold on to that. You say, okay, Scripture says he's become our holiness. And then he tells us, be ye holy for I'm holy. Well, if I can't be holy on my own, I don't have to be holy on my own no more because I'm in Christ. Jesus became my holiness. So for to me to be holy as he is holy is for me to operate in a place of existence that he has already provided me to be. I'm telling you, folks, you are so much better off than you think you are. If we would just grab it. Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 4, starting verse 4. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God still loved us with such great love. He was so rich in compassion and mercy. Even we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ, saved us by his wonderful grace. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still doomed in our own sin, he united us. Well, when did he unite us in Christ? Well, the word tells us that Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Ephesians says that we were chosen in him from the foundation of the world. That unity in Christ has always been part of it. <laughs> Jesus came to open the eyes To the reality of who we really are and we killed him for it in our blinded state (laughs) oh verse 6 he raised us up with Christ so in God's mind it was you on the cross in God's mind you went to the grave in God's mind you were resurrected with Christ (laughs) he raised us up with Christ the exalted one and we now now get this crucified with him buried with him resurrected with him and I love this and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. We are now seated together with Christ. Your natural state is the throne of the heaven. And the things that we do in this life should be positioned and operated from the throne of heaven. Not by God just doing it for us, but by us knowing who we are in Christ and that the throne of heaven is our throne because it's already we, we've already been crucified We've already been dead. We've already been resurrected. And now we are seated with Christ. And now we reign from the place of an ecclesia. Mm-hmm. We ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For now we are co-seated as one with Christ. until you see yourself and focus on yourself. Well, that's just self-centered. It's really not. It's not self-centered. It's actually just knowing who you are. It's knowing how much God loves you. It's knowing how much God has chosen you. It's knowing who God has created you to be From the beginning of this age, from the beginning of this planetary motion, he chose us in him. That's why I say all the time, and it'll flip you out when you think about it, that Adam was forgiven in God's mind from the first moment he took a bite. Do so we understand? Do we understand? No, we don't. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there. And when we do, well, see, when we do, imagine what God has in store for you to do in this reality.